Welcome to Call Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Call Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious turd guy, Cole Johnson. And on this episode, we're going to talk about Serena Williams and number 24. Did she get it or did it elude her? We're going to break down the AFC and NFC Championship games, give you a slight preview onto the Super Bowl participants. Uh, interesting stories in both games. We're also going to go in on a paternity suit. Of course, I have the dole of the week, and we're going to go NBA with upon further review. But for right now, let's get to the headlines. Line Melbourne. 23 Grand Slam winner Serena Williams was on her way to a semifinals date. Unfortunately, her ankle that she twisted had other ideas and other plans. Up 5 1 in the third set in her quarterfinals match against Karolina Pliskova, it looked like it was a foregone conclusion when Pliskova broke her once broke her twice, and then put the dagger in her. Serena was extremely positive about her future, considering that she's been on the tour almost 20 years and that she is chasing number 24. And what I mean by 24, well, the mark for Grand Slams is held by Margaret Court. It looks like that we have to put that on hold for Serena to tie the mark at the post game or post match press conference during the quarterfinals match in the Australian Open. Serena had this to say, quote, the big picture for me is always winning. I'm not going to sit here and lie about that, but it hasn't happened yet, but I feel like it's going to happen. Just keep taking it one match at a time. Just keep soldiering on, I guess. I do like my attitude. I like that I don't want to go out here and say I expect to lose because I had a year off. I've been playing 10 months. I'm not supposed to win. I don't have that attitude. Close quote. Well, you may not have that attitude, but you know who is the next Big time giant to slay for you, Miss Williams. You faced her four months ago in the U.S. Open. That's right. Meet your new number one women's tennis player, Naomi Osaka. And congratulations to her for winning back-to-back Grand Slams. And now, like I said, she is the best women's tennis player right now. Congratulations to her. And also congratulations to Novak Djokovic, who won his first, no second, no third, no fourth, no fifth, no sixth, no seventh record, seventh Australian Open. And also doing it with a straight sets victory over Rafael Nadal. It looks like the Joker's back. And now we have a third person in the current roster of men's who rules a Grand Slam. Nadal rules Roland Coro. Federal rules Wimbledon. Now we have Djokovic ruling Melbourne. It's great to see good tenants. Unfortunately, we won't see 
that type of level of tennis for at least another four months. Dateline Indianapolis. This one hit me hard when I first saw this. Guard Victor Oladipo, who is the comeback player of the year from last year and was doing well this year. In fact, he was slotted to be in the All-Star game coming up next month. He unfortunately now is out for the rest of the season. The diagnosis, a ruptured quad tendon in his right knee. And of course, now Oladipo will undergo surgery. The date is yet to be the date has yet to be determined. Will it happen in the second quarter of last week's game against the Raptors when Oladipo tried to recover in a fast break that the Raptors was running? Oladipo tried to challenge the shot. Unfortunately, he came down awkwardly, and that was it. Both Raptors and Pacers players surrounded him as they saw Oladipo wheeled off of the court. Now, this is the first time he's had knee problems. Last year, he missed 11 games because of a knee injury. Now, this may give Pacers fan hope because they went 7-4 in his absence last year. Now, will they have that same type of fortune this year? Before his injury, they were 30, 31 and 15. We shall see. Hopefully they will advance and they probably will galvanize and have the next man up mentality in Oladipo's stead. Dateline Toronto. The Stanley Cup defending champions, Washington Capitals, is having a little bit of difficulty. How much of a little bit of difficulty they're having, you may ask? Well, last week's game, they were in the Maple Leaf Center, and unfortunately, they fell to the Maple Leafs 6-3, notching their seventh straight loss. How bad is it for the Caps? Well, the Leafs were coming in having lost two straight themselves. So you, if you were a Caps fan or a Caps player, figured, okay, we could probably heal from this and get a W. Didn't happen. And it's not happening in goalie because TJ Oshie has been allowing on average six goals a game the last five. But there is hope. With the second period goal, Alex Govechkin tied Sergei Fedorov for the top spot amongst Russian-born players that played in NHL with 1,179 career points. But that's unfortunately little consolation for where they want to go because they've tasted where they want to go and it looks like they're far away from it this year Dateline NFC Championship to go over the particulars the Saints had the Rams down 13 to nothing should have been more but it wasn't a fake punt in the second quarter got the Rams started they chipped away at the deficit tied it at 20 then tied it at 23, and then went into overtime when the Rams forced an interception off a breeze and kicked a 57-yard field goal to send the Rams into the Super Bowl with a 26-23 victory. Now, that's how the game in a neat bow happened. The particulars, well, the play, I won't say was rough, but it was loose. And the play and and the refereeing was even looser. 
certain plays and certain penalties that would be called weren't. And we saw some holding. We saw some face masks. We saw some even horse collar tackling that was not flagged. But all of that has been, I guess you could say, overshadowed by the play of the playoffs. 149 to go in the game. The game's tied at 20, third and 10 at the Rams 13. Breeze drops back to pass. He throws it to the right sideline where you had a collision between Saints receiver Tommy Lee Lewis and Rams cornerback Nickel Robbie Coleman. Now, normally when you have plays like this, because Robbie Coleman came in and hit Lewis before the ball arrived and also hit him helmet to helmet, normally the yellow hankies come out and two fouls would be called. There were no fouls called. So, of course, Peyton was ballistic on the sideline and the owner of the Saints, Gail Benson, has been ballistic ever since. Quote, the result is still difficult for uh, the result is still difficult to accept for all of us. I'm thoroughly disappointed by the events that led to the outcome of the game. Getting to the Super Bowl is incredibly difficult to do and takes such an unbelievable commitment from a team and support from its fans. No team should ever be denied the opportunity to reach the title game or simply win a game based on the actions or inactions of those charged with creating a fair and equitable playing field. As is clear to all who watch the game, it is undeniable that our team and fans were unfairly deprived of that opportunity Sunday. Close quote. <laughs> email Saints fan. Subject of email. Swallow it. Body of email. Before I get hate mail from you, Saints fan, I also am a Saints fan. I attended Saints games when I was younger. In fact, I remember attending a Saints-Rams game in the Super Bowl, a Superdome in 1982, I believe. And guess what the final score was? Rams 23, Saints, I mean, Rams 26, Saints 23. Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of like a little deja vu here. So before you say, well, you're like the others. No, I'm coming at it from actually a Saints fan perspective. Was the call egregious? Yes. Should a penalty have been called? Yes. However, you had this team down 13 to nothing in the second quarter. And it should have been more than that. You should have had this team down 21 to nothing. So you had the team down by two scores, should have been down by three. You're at home. And normally it should be a wrap when you have a team down two scores in the second quarter. You had the lead for most of the game. The only time you didn't have the lead was when the 57-yard field goal in overtime sailed through the uprights for the Rams. So you cannot tell me that this play was the deciding outcome or this play was the one that tipped the scales in the Rams' favor. It didn't. It was a mistake, yes. The referee should own it, yes. 
but you're not going to have it replayed. So stop with those protestations. It's not going to happen. Let me give you a slight history lesson here. 1980. January of 1980. I was only six at the time. The Steelers hosted the Oilers in the AFC Championship game. Third quarter, the score is 17-10 Steelers. The Oilers are around, I'd say, the Steelers, and, and between the Steelers 10 and 15. Dan Pastorini, the quarterback, drops back sort of like a three, uh, like a five-step drop, and as soon as the fifth step was made, he let go of the ball. At the right end of the end zone was Mel Renfro. He caught the ball, put two feet down, and controlled the catch. It was a touchdown. It was, to Stevie Wonder, a touchdown. Guess what the refs decided? Incomplete pass. Yes. Two feet and control, and it's incomplete. No bobble. No juggling. Two feet inbounds in the end zone. Incomplete. So, of course, the Oilers kicked the field goal. It was 17-13. Of course, they went on to win that Super Bowl, which is Super Bowl fourteen. And they won that game 27-13. I rationalize it as, well, the Steelers did shut the oldest down the rest of the way. It probably would have been 27-17 instead of 27-13. All these years later, I'm still salty about that. But you know what I can do? Nothing. I just have to say, well, refs miss calls. That is what happened here. The refs missed a call. Does it hurt that you all are not going to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Believe me, been there. Been there. Does it hurt even more that you were this close? Yeah. But your crying is not going to do anything. But basically make other fans of your team salty. But I know one city and one fan base that is extremely excited that you all did not make it to the Super Bowl. And probably lost the way you did. Yes, I'm talking about Falcons fan. I know this because in my family are a whole hosts or a whole host of Falcons fans. And when they saw that, they probably applauded. And then when they saw that field goal sail through the uprights as good for the Rams, they probably cheered just as loud as when they were going to the Super Bowl two years prior. Mistakes happen. It's unfortunate. It's a human error. And I'm not going to excuse the penalty not being called. But you can't yell travesty, travesty, travesty. Because it's happened before. And unfortunately it's going to happen again unless you want to have robots call the game. So chill. Chill, chill, chill with the conspiracy theories. You all had a chance to win the game. You had a chance to put the Rams away early. And you didn't do it. You have to come to facts with that. Hopefully you can. Because you got a good team and hopefully you can keep them intact for next year. Cole Johnson. Cole Sports. Cole Sports. With a Z. Dot com. Dateline AFC Championship. It looked like it was going to be a bore fest as the Patriots went out to a 14 and nothing lead at halftime. But the Chiefs stormed back with 24 fourth quarter points. 
Unfortunately for the Chiefs, it just was not enough. As the first ever AFC Championship game in Arrowhead Stadium, and if I'm not mistaken, first ever championship game ever hosted in Kansas City went the way of the Patriots, 37-31 in overtime. Now, there's some salty Chiefs fans out there. Andy Reid actually is real salty because when the Chiefs were up 28 to 24 with, uh, I think, about a minute to go in the game, Brady threw a pass, went through the hands of Rob Gronkowski and into the hands of a Chiefs defender for an INT, or so we thought. Unfortunately, D. Ford, no, not, no, not the actress. No, outside linebacker for the Chiefs lined off offsides. And Reed was adamant saying, well, there should have been a warning placed onto the person who was offsides. Uh, Andy, you have coached this game for a long time. You know this more than I do. If a player is over the line of scrimmage, it is a neutral zone infraction, period. There's nothing to debate there. So for those who are saying, well, that interception should have stood because that penalty was not all that great. That was a penalty. And before I get hate mail to his fan, I don't back the Patriots at all. In fact, I could care less who would have won that game because I would have felt the same if it was the Chiefs or the Patriots. It didn't matter to me. Now, the call that I did not like was the Phantom roughing the passer penalty. All right. So NFL referees, please explain this to me. So when you have a pass rusher barrel down the path to get to the quarterback and he's being impeded by the offensive lineman that's blocking him, he reaches out as if he's trying to block a pass attempt. So he misses that. He touches the quarterback's torso. And the fact that he touched the quarterback's torso while the quarterback still had the ball in his hands, that is roughing the passer. You have to be absolutely kidding me. It's getting to the point now, as ridiculous as it is, that you're going to have to suit up quarterbacks in red jerseys like you do in practice so that you basically say the quarterback cannot be hit. He's off limits in being hit because it's getting that ridiculous. A hand on a quarterback's torso while the quarterback still has the ball in his hands is not, has never been, will never be roughing the passer. That was egregious. Brady went on to throw for 30 or 46 for 348. He didn't have the greatest of games. He had a touchdown and two interceptions, but that drive in overtime was an absolute masterclass in how you steer a team in rough, adverse conditions and situations to get six points and a victory. Not to be outdone, the ingenue, Patrick Mahomes went 16 for 31, 249 yards. And I'm saying to you right now, that young man is the next elite quarterback in the NFL. You're going to have a lot on your hands to stop that man. Because with the weapons he has and the weapon that he is himself, it's going to be hard to deny him trips to the Super Bowl. He's that good. And we better watch out because he's just gotten warmed up. The presumptive MVP did a bang-up job from being held scoreless the whole first half to scoring 24 and a fourth. That took a ton of stones. It's unfortunate that the Chiefs fell short. 
but the stage is set. In Atlanta, we have the Rams and NFC, the Patriots and the AFC. <sighs> I just feel that uh, Brady's going to get his sixth. I love what the Rams do. I love the diversity of the Rams. They can run it down your throat. They can spread you wide and throw for 400 yards. They've done each in a game before. So they can they can hurt you with Cooks and Everett and Reynolds downfield. They could hurt you with Gurley out the backfield. They can also hurt you with C.J. Anderson out the backfield. They also can hurt you by what Jared Goff does not do as much now, and that's turn the ball over. And the defense, while maligned, the defensive line has stepped up. It has stepped up huge, thanks to Indomitian Sue showing up. Aaron Donald is his normal self. He's going to win the defensive player of the year again, and should. And he should be in a running for the MVP as well. Two guys can't stop him. That's how good he is. But Sue... He has been the difference maker of that whole defense because it's been more difficult to run against him and the pressure has gotten two quarterbacks now. Him and Fowler, the guy that is the pass rusher, the designated pass rusher of the Rams is making his money now. But I just love what the Patriots can do because you've got the two brightest minds in football today on the same sideline. The head coach, Bill Belichick, the quarterback, Tom Brady. Name me a situation they haven't been in and name me a situation they haven't been in and succeeded. Now, you can throw at me. They've lost three Super Bowls. Yes, I know. I say this all the time when people say that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I said it's hard to say that when you have lost two Super Bowls to the most overrated quarterback in all of football and the third to a backup. But you cannot underestimate what he can do, Tom Brady. And you can't under, uh, and you can't underestimate what Belichick can do because the guy adjusts at halftime better than anybody, and he can put forth a game plan where you don't recognize the team. He is that good of a strategist. He can po- he can power it and run it down your throat like he did against the Chiefs. He could do just three step dropbacks all day and just pile up points and yards like he did the week before against the Chargers, or he could do a combination of that. They tailor their style after what defense they have. And they tailor their defense after what offense is in front of them. So with that brain power, I just can't see the Rams winning. it. Now, what am I hoping for? I'm just hoping for a because I don't care about the team. That pretty much is it for that. When I come back, a boxer that I think that doesn't have a clue. NBA fan that just simply wants to say uh, this is not the guy, but immediately following the break, we are going to go in. Welcome back 
Motorsport. Miguel Cabrera. He's many things. He's a great slugger for the Detroit Tigers. He is the face of the team, and he has done successful things on the field. But he has caught himself in a majorly, majorly bad situation off the field. You see, it came to light about a couple of years ago that he had a mistress and that he fathered a child with said mistress and he fathered a child with said, with said mistress. And a court case has been ongoing for a long time. And the results of that is why I'm about to go Miguel Cabrera, the first baseman for the Detroit Tigers. (laughs) He did a bad, bad thing. So, he's been in court for almost two years. And he was in court against his ex-mistress. Yeah, and why? Because he decided to father not one, but two children. Two. With the said said former mistress. So, in Florida, he tried to challenge what the mistress wanted to have in terms of compensation, but he didn't win. In fact, he's going to pay through the nose. A Florida judge ordered him to pay $20,000 a month in child support to his ex-mistress because of the two children that he fathered with her and pay off the $1 million mansion as well by the summer. (sighs) Miguel. Miguel, what is up with you guys? I, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. You, you have a family already. You have a wife. What, what's the point? What's, what, what's the point? I mean, it, it's is it the trim is that good that you can't pass it up? Is it you don't have the discipline to say, mm, yeah, you're pretty. But unfortunately, I can't go there with you because I have someone else at home. What's the problem? What What's the issue? What's the holdup? I, I don't I don't get it. I, I really don't. And now you have a son that's six and a daughter that's three with a woman you really could care less about. And you probably cared less about when you went through and had this affair years long with this woman. Well, Cabrera's lawyer, Benjamin Otis, had this to say, I mean, in a court filing. Quote. Following the birth of the second child, the mother became increasingly incensed by the father's refusal to leave his wife for her. The mother would regularly threaten the father to expose their relationship and children to his wife in the media and to file a paternity suit wherein she would seek millions of dollars from him. Close quote. The only reason why you're not the dolt of the week, Cabrera, is because there was someone who is more idiotic than you have been in this situation. You have a wife already. Why would you want to ruin that with another woman? And then why would you want to create a family with another woman? I don't, I don't get that. Now I don't, now I also fault the mistress for wanting to 
enter those uncharted waters too. I mean, you should respect the fact that there's a woman who's married to this ball player and that you shouldn't even entertain the realm of wanting to have something with him where whether it is for a short time or for a long extended period. Now, Cabrera's right wife filed for divorce about a couple of years ago. And that's where my attention goes to. Rosangel. And she she's the one who is the hurt party here. You have the ball player who simply couldn't turn down forbidden fruit. And you have the forbidden fruit who was willing to ruin the life of a home. That's inexcusable. In fact, I don't even have the energy to, to, to scream about this. I, I see that you have to pay this woman $20,000 a month and pay off her $1 million mansion in six months. I look at that and I say, good, good. You shouldn't have entered in that in the first place. And this is what you earned this year. All this, this, this is what you earned. So I can't really have compassion for you here. I lack that for you, Miguel. And you could portray the mistress as a gold digger. You, you could say that she tried to extort money from you. Falls on deaf ears. It falls completely on deaf ears. What it does for me is it makes my blood run cold. It makes my blood run warm for your now ex-wife because she deserved to have all of you. And you said, and you decided to divide yourself with someone else that you really didn't care about. Be fortunate. Be fortunate, Miguel, because you could have been like Derek Fisher, who has to pay his wife $110,000 a month in child support and another 11000 in alimony. So be glad that you don't have that bill on your hands. And to me, paying 20000 a month for your children and paying off the $1 million mansion to the mistress in which you had those two children. You got off light, buddy. You got off light. And yeah, you had your worst season because of this because you probably had the, the, the same process that you were undergone that Tiger Woods did when he had the same thing happen with him. And your mind just couldn't focus on the task at hand on the, on the field. You were off on the field. You were hurt on the field. And now you're paying through the nose off of it. I hope that contract is good because you're going to have other people eat at it. One of these days, you athletes are going to really understand that it literally does pay to have a side piece. And all of you want to follow people like future. Your future is going to be your past real quick because you financially cannot cope. Later, we go on to the hardwood and talk about possibly the greatest scorer today. That's upon further review. But immediately following the break, <laughs> Dolph of the Week time is next. You've tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet. Cold Sports!
look back at a key moment in sports history. January 26th, 1997. New Orleans is the site, the teams are the Patriots and the Packers as they played in the 31st annual Super Bowl. Up 27-21 after a touchdown scored by the Patriots, Desmond Howard shut the door. And the players are starting to feel it. Starting to get warmer up here. It sure is. Benetieri. Kick goes to Desmond Howard at the one. Desmond Howard is off. You better turn it on or he's gone. Desmond Howard. All the way into the Patriot end zone. As soon as they get back in it, Green Bay takes it away. 99 yards. That kickoff touchdown spelled the difference between the game as the final score was 35-21, making the Packers Super Bowl champions for the first time then in 29 years. They will go on to win another one in 2010. And Desmond Howard was the MVP of Super Bowl 31. From the Vault, brought to you by Goldsport. nobody but we still are going to give it to you straight with no chaser the winner of this episode's dota the week is welterweight boxer adrian broner he gets this award for one simple reason the man is a buffoon just on this alone is why he is a dolt for this week. After the fight, a fight that I will say, I may add, that he only won two rounds in, he was interviewed by Jim Gray in the ring. Mr. Bronner. Mr. Bronner, I'm sorry. And he said in the post-fight interview, quote, everybody out there know I beat him. I controlled the fight. He was missing. I hit him clean more times. I beat him. Close quote. Son, what was he missing? The air? Because he was getting on you. He was making contact with you. It is not to be hit. That's the object. You know the guy that you're trying to pattern your career after? Uh, Mr. Floyd Money Mayweather? 
Yet he made a career out of not being hit. You are making a career out of being a body punching bag. And Jim Gray said it best. In your last seven fights, you're three, three, and one. And yeah, you may be seven and zero against a guy who is not trained to be a boxer. But big whoop, and so what? We're not paying to see a fight between you and Jim Gray or you and Al Bernstein, who you lambasted and <laughs> tried to make a clown and a fool in a pre-fight press conference. It's you got outclassed, outworked, outboxed, and outmaneuvered in every sense of the word. You're an embarrassment, man. Not, not, not by your boxing by your personality and demeanor you are an embarrassment you don't represent the hood you represent buffoonery you represent being a clown and what the heck is up with you saying that you were going to win this bout on god nim and this gang gang crap are you trying to be repulsive are you trying to be aloof are you trying to say well you can't relate to my world I can relate to your world, man, and I don't like what I see. I, I just simply don't. I don't like what I see. I don't like what I hear. I just don't like what you represent. And that's nothing to do with your color. It has nothing to do with your your ability to spew hot garbage. It just is you, your personality. It's a turnoff. And what makes it more of a turnoff is that you can't accept criticism. You can't accept it when when people say, all right, you are not proficient at this. To that, what do you have to say? It's almost as if people have to coddle you and say good things about you, and that's the only way you will ex- accept any type of conversation. Sounds familiar in behavior. Uh, I can't put, put, put my finger on it. Yes, I can. I just don't want to. Besides the point, you can't accept constructive criticism. You act like a bully. And you represent something that you, I think, do not know much about. There's no class with you. No class with you. And, and, and please tell me how you can control a fight where you lost 10 out of 12 rounds. Please explain it to me. The only rounds you won would be 4 and 11. Rounds 4 and 11. That's the only rounds that you possibly could have won out of the 12 so how can you claim that you won anything? How can you claim that you deserve a victory? How can you say you controlled the fight when you were being controlled in the fight? It was Manny who was obviously the aggressor in the fight. I don't know what fight you were watching and you participated in the bout. I do know this. I personally don't want to see you box again, man. It's not out of safety for you. It's just out of, it's just embarrassing because you stole people's money. Plain and simple. And I don't want to have people pour their hard-earned money to someone who doesn't deserve it. I could take a loudmouth like money who could back it up and win, win and be defensive and make it hard for a person to hit him. But you're not him. You're not him. And you got to find who you are. And I don't think you have yet. I'm praying for you, brother, because you, you need. You need to have some Jesus in you. And that is on God Nim, gang, gang, man. <sighs> Come on, man. Stop with the stop with the acting like you're ratchet. Act like a man, man.
own your loss and be better. When I come back, NBA fans' favorite punching bag today. Upon further review, it's next. Perfect. Radio Haver every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. episode of cold sports the vip honors we'll take a look back at 2018 and celebrate the third anniversary of cold sports while we're at it the vip honors we'll have the dolt of the year the upon further review of the year the going in of the year and other awards that we're going to disperse amongst the sports atmosphere the VIP Honors is next. But no, not after this program. That's the next episode. This episode, though, not finished. And the way that James Harden has been scoring, neither is he. It's interesting that in the last 20-plus games, he has at least scored 30 points in there. But there's a lot of people who hate Harden's style. I think I know why, and I'll talk about it. And upon further review. So last week, the Rockets were visiting Madison Square Garden and they played the Knicks. Harden scored his career high 61 points now last year he scored 60 but of course that's a magic number because 61 points in the garden well there's another player that did that his name Kobe Bryant and of course because he did 61 in the garden in the 114-110 victory over the Knicks that Wednesday Harden has evoked the comparison between him and Kobe Bryant and people are saying okay who is better, Harden or Bryant. I can right now say to you, Kobe Bryant right now is still better. But why are we comparing people in the past with people in the present? It's the same issue that I have with Brady and others when people say, well, he's the best I've ever seen, well, or best of all time. Okay, fine. But it's hard to do that in different eras. Why can't we appreciate the greatness that we see right before our eyes? And you can say, well, it's easy for him to score those points because he shoots about 15 to 20 free throws a game. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought the name of the game was to get the ball in the basket, whether it's by three-pointer, by two-pointers, or by free throws. It's not Harden's fault that he is adept at drawing fouls. It's not his fault that he knows how 
to get to the free throw line. Great players know how to get to the free throw line. If you have the opportunity to score uncontested points, you mean to tell me that you would not want to take advantage of that and miss it with the Well, no other player has done that. Uh, just about every big time player that's a scorer has done that. You can name them all. Kobe, Jordan, Bird, Magic. I don't care. Name any big time player and analysts will tell you that they try to get easy points if a foul can be drawn. So you can miss me with that. You can also miss me with the fact that he has a step back that could possibly be called travel. It's as if you all don't know that these NBA players practice with referees. You can perfect a move. And if a referee is saying, "Okay, yeah, that's legal. Who are we to say it's travel? I mean, LeBron James, he's been taking three steps to dunk for I don't know how long. And I could probably count on a set of two or three fingers on one hand how many times I've seen travel called on him because of it. People even thought the dream shake was a travel. And I've seen Kobe use the dream shake. I've seen Jordan use it too. But that wasn't called travel ever. So you can miss me with that too. Just appreciate this man's greatness. Now, my personal issue with James Harden, stagnant offense. I've never been a fan of isolation offense. Never have been, still not now. That's the only gripe I have about James Harden. And yes, here's another another stat. One game, Clay Thompson scores 43 points, takes only four dribbles. And I think there was another stat where Harden scored, what, over 250 straight points and it was all unassisted. Doesn't matter how the scoring happens, just as long as you score. And you and, and people also have to take into account, too. During this stretch from mid-December to now, no Clint Capella, no Chris Paul. So what is he what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to just simply sacrifice and say, okay, I'll score my my normal 28, 29 points. Expect others to step up. And when they don't and they go on a tailspin, you see him go buck wild on others or take the brunt of the offense on himself. And before they come back, do all he can to keep the team afloat in the playoff race, because the West is extremely thick. I mean, they're six games away, six games out of first and they're not going to be the number one seed this year. But they could possibly be the number three seed and they could possibly be completely out the playoffs altogether because they're only what two games up from the number nine seed. So in the number five seed, the positioning is extremely tight. So Harden was just supposed to sacrifice his offense. Then you all would say, well, see, this is a big time guy, supposedly, but he's not stepping up. He steps up, but you <laughs> you say that he isn't deserving because he has a move set. That should be illegal. And then don't mention the acronym MVP. That would make in, that would make NBA fan go completely ballistic. Now, my rule about NBA MVPs, it's hard and fast. Normally, not all the time. Normally, it goes to the best player on the best team. Normally, the only way it won't is if you have if you have two or more who are doing similar, which in this case with the Warriors, you have that. But really the best player on the best team, which is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo for the now Milwaukee Milwaukee Bucks, they have the best record right now. And it's quite possible he might win it. If he continues to play the way he has, that might be your MVP this year. And yeah, I know there are others. Um, Paul George is a contender. Russell Westbrook is a mm, way distant contender. Curry and Durant, obviously. Harden's in the mix too. And I hate to say it, LeBron James... Not this year. Appreciate the greatness when you see it.
He's playing in an offense where he benefits from having the ball. So you have to understand this is how the offense is run. Period. Appreciate that before you all want to make this guy persona non grata and public enemy number one. Their offense is you get the ball to, to James Harden. Get out the way and let him do his thing. Now, until Capella and Paul gets back, this is what you're going to see more of. Now, when Paul gets back, Harden won't have the ball as much. He can't because you have another ball handler who is pretty adept at making sure other people get fed. And he's a little better at that than Harden because Paul is a more natural point guard and Harden is a hybrid but he's a scorer before he really is a traditional point guard so when you want to criticize Harden take a step back look at what this guy is working with and look at what this guy is doing and then go forth until then don't do that with him You may hate his style, but you can't hate on him. And I'm seeing far too much hate for one of the greatest players in the NBA today. So if you're going to hate on this guy, to borrow the words of one of my colleagues, thank you for this, Raphael. Stop it. If you happen to like this episode or any episode you've heard thus far, hit that subscribe button and come on down to ColdSportsWithAZ.com. If you want to reach me by email, if you have something to say and you want to get it off your chest, you want to reach me on social media, you want to actually have this voice grace whatever commercial you want, you want to hear any guest appearances I've had, all of those things can be found at ColdSportsWithAZ.com. Even if you want merchandise. Shirts, bags, cups, mugs. ColdSportsWithAZ.com is where you come. Where you're going to find Cold Sports paraphernalia, Cold Sports audio, and Cold Sports anything? ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And I just ask for three simple things. Three, love your neighbor as yourself. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program and enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson, and this is... You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.